Why is prayer a critical part of the witnessing process? How can Christian congregations use prayer to build relationships with individuals and their families in the community? And how can congregations use prayer in their missionary efforts? Join us today as I interview Reverend James Buckman. We'll learn how his ministry is helping congregations plant new churches and learn to use prayer in outreach efforts. This is Kay Meyer, President of Family Shield Ministries, and your host for today's program. With me by phone lines is Reverend Jim Buckman. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jim. It's very good to be here with you and your audience. Well, thank you so much. So a lot of your outreach is done through prayer. Before we start talking about what you're doing in New Jersey in uh, these missionary efforts, tell our listeners about you and your family and uh, how you've learned about prayer. Well, um, I was very blessed to have very godly parents. And at a very young age, uh, my mother uh, told me one night I was getting ready to go to bed, and she said, every night before you go to bed, you say your prayers. And she said in a very firm way, and it's something that stuck with me my entire life. And by God's grace, every night before I've gone to bed, I've, I've said prayers. And so it's just been a big part of my marriage and ministry. And in our family, in, our, uh, in my marriage, um, prayer became especially powerful uh, in the pregnancy of our, of our fifth child. Um, and to put it into context, we, uh, in the pregnancy of our third child, uh, we suffered a miscarriage. Mm. And, um, you know, anybody who's been through a miscarriage knows that it's, uh, it's a very painful experience and you feel as if there's nothing you can do because mm-hmm. it just it happens. It just happens, Before yeah. morning, there's no medical test, mm-hmm. there's no indication, there's, it just happens. And, um, and so we, uh, we, we had that experience with our third pregnancy. Um, life went on, we had our third child, and then our fourth child, and then we were pregnant again. And we went in for our first checkup, and uh, the doctor conducted the test, the nurse conducted the test, and then after a little while the doctor came into the room and said, I have bad news for you. And uh, I said, well, what is it? And um, he said uh, that it, is how he referred to our unborn child, he said it um, has a growth on the side of its head, and it has an irregular heartbeat, and it has a placenta that's fallen apart, and it has chromosome difficulties. And he just sort of very matter-of-factly said to us, uh, you have options, Mm -hmm. which was his way of saying you can have an abortion. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he began to, you know, rattle these things off, I just began to reject everything that he had to say. I began praying uh, in my spirit, just praying quietly, silently, and uh, and rejected everything. And just rejected everything he had to say in my prayer. And uh, so my wife and I we listened to him, and uh, and then we collected our things and, and we left. And so then we uh, began to pray uh, regularly and fervently, and uh, we invited everybody we knew to pray. I was in a pastoral leadership training program. I uh, asked them to put that out to the pastors in their churches. They did, and they were praying. And, and basically, my wife and I, we, uh, our prayer was very simple, that um, first of all, we pray 
prayed for the healing of his child. And uh, secondly, we prayed that if it uh, was meant to be, that we would have a special needs child, that, that God would make us to be the kind of parents that he would want us to be for a special needs child. Those were our two prayer requests. And, um, you know, and Scripture says that we'll have a peace that passes human understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's because that peace doesn't come from human understanding. It doesn't, it doesn't come from a human explanation or a human answer. It's because that peace comes from God. And Kathy and I, my wife and I, we had that peace that passes human understanding before we went back for our next checkup because we just believed that either God was going to heal this child or God was going to make us to be the kind of parents that he'd want us to be for a special needs child. Mm -hmm. It was one or the other, and we had complete peace. It had nothing to do with a medical test. had nothing to do with doctors, uh, medicine, science, or anything. Nothing's wrong with any of those things, but it had nothing to do with any of that. It had to do with God. good and through your ministry and your book i pray you um you help congregations and individuals not only learn that we pray because god answers prayer not always with a yes sometimes no sometimes wait but um But I think I especially want to focus today on how you are helping people see prayer as a tool for outreach to save Uh, people, to build relationships. I love that. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. You are a missionary in New Jersey. I am. Um, About five years ago, I accepted a call through our church body's national office to be a network-supported missionary working primarily in New Jersey. I do work with churches and entities outside of New Jersey. I'm not limited by geography. And um, 
so my family and I, we, we moved to New Jersey, and, um, and I, what I do is I help congregations start new worshiping communities. Uh, we use the house church model, which if we have time, we can talk about that I'd a little bit. To. And um, we have a very strong emphasis on using prayer for three, three, three things, ministry, mercy, and multiplication. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so recently, in fact, just this spring, I wrote a book called I Pray, just like iPhone, but I Pray. Mm. You can get it on mm-hmm. Amazon. And um, it's about 186 pages, and it has over 100 different ways that uh, individuals and churches can use prayer for ministry, mercy, and multiplication to better improve their ministry to their members, their visitors, and the community. And ultimately, then, uh, by God's grace, leading to the formation of worshiping communities that we call house churches. And um, prayer is very effective for outreach and in a very intentional way. Mm-hmm. Um, in my book on page 69, I talk about why prayer is effective for ministry, and there's 20, 20 things that are listed there, and it's not an exhaustive list. There's mm-hmm. more, more that could be added. But um, if prayer is very effective or outreach, whether you're talking about outreach, you know, reaching out to your members, to visitors, or to the community, because um, when we ask somebody how we can pray for them, we are uh, learning what is important to them. So real quick example, if I can use... Yes, please, give us an example. That sounds great. Yeah. So um, uh, the elders in our church, when they get together with their pastor, they take half an hour, okay, from their elders' schedule. They take half an hour, and every elder takes their phone, their cell phone, and their shepherding list. They go into different parts of the facility, and they call the church members. And they simply say, so like my elder's Pete Gardner. Pete will call me up, and he'll say, uh, Jim, uh, this is Pete, and uh, we're with Pastor. We're praying for the members. Um, how can we pray for you, your family, loved ones, neighbors, coworkers, whatever, what have you. And then I'll share a prayer request with and they take half an hour. And that's an important thing. You know, uh, if I could use a passage from Scripture, uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 4. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. The apostles said they were going to devote themselves to the ministry of prayer and to the Word. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a real honest gut-level question that our churches need to start asking themselves is, is are we doing that? Are we devoting ourselves to the ministry yeah. of prayer? Not only in our worship time, but in our work mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. When we get together for meetings, when we get together to do outreach, are we devoting ourselves to prayer across the board? Because, uh, of course, you know, in Isaiah 56, God says to the prophet Isaiah that my house will be a house of prayer for all the nations. And he didn't say it'd be a house with a time of prayer. He said it'd be a house Mm -hmm. of prayer. Mm -hmm. And that's the verse that Jesus quotes when he cleanses the temple, right? Yes. You know, a lot of times when we talk about the cleansing of the temple, we think, we talk about, well, they, they were selling animals that were diseased, or they were biting the gold off of the coins, or the scales were crooked, or what have you. I don't think it has anything to do with any of that. Jesus, the verse that he chooses to justify what he does is Isaiah 56, verse 7. And he says, my father said, my house would be a house of prayer. But you've made it into a den of thieves. Mm-hmm. And so where was Jesus standing when he says this? He's standing in the outer courtyard of the temple. Why is that significant? The outer courtyard was the only place that the nations could worship. Mm. But the religious leaders had turned that into a barnyard, and they were selling animals. So the very place in the house of prayer for the nations to come to was not allowed to happen. 
And so that's why he cleanses it, because he wants his house to be a house of prayer for all the nations. And so, you know, we could say, well, the temple's gone. That, that's, that's fine. But First Peter chapter 2 tells us that we are living stones, a royal priesthood being built into a spiritual house, that we would offer sacrifices acceptable to a living God. And so, and so that responsibility to be a house of prayer, whether we're talking corporately as a congregation or individually, still exists. And so then the elders at Redeemer, then they, they, they gather the prayers, and then they come back with pastors. Then what do they know? Then they, Now they know what the needs of the members are, and they will mm-hmm. gather 30 mm-hmm. or 40 prayers in that time period. And then the, the elders' ministry and the pastor know how best to serve their congregation. And that's one of the things I want to just talk about in our short time that we have together, is that prayer is free. And when we ask somebody how we can pray for them, we are learning how to effectively serve the needs of 100% of those people. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I do uh, in my training is I help congregations use prayer, as I said, for ministry, mercy, and multiplication uh, with their members, visitors, in the community. And in this book, I pray, there are over 100 examples of how this can be done. And these are not theory. When you get the book, you're going to see all kinds of pictures with real people. You can call them up if you want to and talk with them about how they're doing it. You can go to our website, www.housechurchplanter.com, and get video training there. The book, I Pray, it's like iPhone, but I Pray. Uh, I Pray is available at Amazon.com. And as I said, it has over 100 examples like this of how you can use prayer for ministry, mercy, and multiplication with your members, your visitors, and the community. All right. Very good. I'm going to make a few announcements, and then we'll come back to talk a little bit more about prayer. I want to uh, have you help us learn about what prayer walking is when we come back. Uh, Thanks for listening to Family Shield. Family Shield is aired on 51 radio stations throughout the United States. If you're a Thrivent financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support this radio ministry and support Family Shield Ministries. Call Thrivent and ask for choice dollars or go to their website at www.thrivent.com and then slash Thrivent Choice. Each week, Family Shield gives away a booklet to our radio listeners. Today, we're giving away a booklet entitled Prayer. To order this complimentary booklet to read yourself or give away, contact our response center, one 317 Four three two six. You can also sign up to receive the Family Shield email newsletter on our homepage at www.familyshieldministries.com. Please pray for Family Shield and those we reach and equip and support us with a gift this month to help us continue to air this Christ-centered program. You can also write us at Family Shield Ministries. P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Again, I want to mention the website for uh, Reverend Jim Buckman's ministry. It's www.housechurchplanter.com. 
com. And uh, there's so much more we could talk about. And by the way, I just want to let our listeners know I love your book. I have always loved prayer, but I was learning so many new ways to use prayer to reach out beyond the walls of the church. Uh, you don't probably remember this, Pastor Buckman, but a, a few uh, years ago, maybe a year ago, I don't remember, I heard you speaking at Concordia Lutheran Church, and you talked about prayer walking. And I've done prayer walks before, but what you were doing was a little bit different. Tell our listeners what you do and how you use prayer walking, and maybe a, a story of someone that you've ministered to that's unchurched, that you've reached through prayer walking. You bet. You bet. Prayer walking, uh, and I think what we're talking about here is prayer walking in the community. Yes. Um, prayer walking is just a, a very great resource for the local church to invest in discipling uh, the men and women of the congregation to do. Because as we talked about, we can do prayer walking with members, we can do prayer walking with visitors, and we can do prayer walking in the community. And all of those things are covered in the book. Uh, Prayer Walking in the Community is Chapter 7 uh, in I Pray. And there's over 20 examples of how you can use prayer walking uh, in that chapter. And one way that you can use prayer walking uh, in the community is simply to have people within the congregation who go out in twos or threes and go into the community, and there's different ways you can do that uh, in the residential area or in business districts, and introduce yourself to other people and then uh, ask them how you can pray for them, collect the prayer requests, then go and uh, pray for those prayer requests, and then follow up with ministry to those people as needed. Um, I had just come here to New Jersey, and as I mentioned before, I'm a network support missionary, and so one of my real faithful partners is a Concordia Lutheran Church mm-hmm. in Kirkwood, Missouri. My church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pastor Scott Seidler, right. to give him a little shout-out, sure. um, has been a, just a big, strong supporter, and still is, and just a great guy. Um, so Scott wanted to see, Pastor Seidler wanted to see how the things were going here, and uh, uh, and so he brought um, Jeremy Becker, who was uh, the youth uh, family minister there at the congregation at that time, and they came out. And so uh, I let the district president here know that we we're going to have uh, some strong supporters coming out. And then he said he'd like to come along also uh, to experience prayer walking. And, and so I arranged to go prayer walking. And in Newark, we have uh, one congregation in the city of Newark. And the city of Newark has a population the same size as the city of St. Louis, yeah. except we only have one LCMS mm-hmm. congregation city of Newark. And it's a congregation made up mostly of West Africans. And the the community of Newark is uh, 90% Spanish-speaking. There's not a single Spanish-speaking family from the community in that congregation. And so uh, this congregation is like many of our congregations in some ways. It's lost connectivity Mm -hmm. with its immediate context. Mm -hmm. Prayer walking is a great way to restore connectivity in your immediate context. It costs you nothing uh, financially. And so um, what we did was I arranged with the Liberian immigrant pastor there to uh, be with us, and he had some elders. And so we simply went through the neighborhood there in Newark. And so I had Scott and Jeremy and the district president with me, and then the pastor and a couple elders from the congregation. Normally we break up into twos or threes, but but for this particular thing, because it was just sort of, you know, going around and showing them how we do this, we just all stayed together. And so I'll never forget, Kay, uh, we get to the... uh, uh, get to this one house, and Scott and I are in front. We, get to, we, we go up to, to the front door, ring the doorbell, and this little girl, probably about five, six years old, she answers the door, and I ask her, I said, is your mother or your father home? And she says, yes. And it's a small little house there in Newark, you know, and you can 
hear everything going on inside the house. And the little girl goes around the corner, back in the back, probably into the kitchen. You could hear her just as plain as day. She says, Mom, there's uh, five men at the front door <laughs> looking for you. <laughs> five men. That's a little overkill, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And so we're all kind of chuckling, you know. And, uh, and so the mother comes to the front door. And, um, and so I, I extend my hand. I greeted her. I introduced myself. And I, I said, I said, my name's Jim. And uh, these are my friends. This is Scott and so on and so forth. And uh, we're, we're praying for the neighborhood. We'd love to pray for you. How can we pray for you? And I'll never forget, Kay. She, she looks at me and she points her finger at, at, at me and she says, uh, she says, you can pray for these two little girls and myself because today I was served my divorce papers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Relevant needs yeah. are out there. Yeah. 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 And you know what, Kay, you're not going to get that on demographic study. No. No. You, it's you one-on-one and listening more than talking. Yeah. Yep. You can get you can buy piles and reams of demographic studies. And that's all well and good. It's not going to tell you the first thing about one individual person mm-hmm. in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at my watch and I looked back up at the mother and I said, I said, I said, ma'am, we're going to be getting together down at the church right down here. Church, and we're going to be praying for everybody. And then I pointed at the pastor because the model of ministry that I do is work through local pastors, local mm-hmm. churches, equip them for ministry in their context. And so I looked at the at the pastor. I pointed pointed him out so she'd know exactly who he was. I pointed him out. I said, I said, this man is the pastor of this church. And then I, I made a promise that I expected him to keep. I said, uh, I said, he and his members are going to make sure you. Do not go through this alone. Absolutely. And then that lady looks at me and she says, you want to know something? She says, uh, this is the first time that a church has ever visited me in my house. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that say? Yeah, it, does, it says we're not out there in about right. sharing God's love with right. those that don't know him. And Kay, you know what? The truth of the matter is if you drive through that neighborhood, there's 20 churches. Within a couple blocks of that lady. And they're irrelevant to those people. They don't know what the law and gospel is. They don't know what Jesus Christ has done for them. They need to know through our words and our actions. Yeah. 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 Wonderful, wonderful. You know, there's this guy named Martin Luther, and he (laughs) said that the most important thing we can do for our neighbor is to pray for them. And, you know, when we confess our sins in worship, a lot of times we, we confess it, we say that we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Mm-hmm. And usually we think of that in terms of, you know, I didn't treat my neighbors as nice as I could have. And that's probably true. But, you know, when we stop and realize that the best thing we can do for our neighbors is praying for them, if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit we don't pray for our next-door neighbor hardly ever. Mm-hmm. And, and even if we did, how would we even begin to know how to pray? Because we've never even asked them. We yeah, pray. we don't know what to pray for. We don't right. know what to pray for. Then we don't know what to pray for, so we don't pray. Because we don't know what to pray for and don't pray, then they're not brought before God. And that's another thing, Kay, I just want to say real quick before time runs out. The only prayers that God listens to are Christian prayers. Jesus said, no one will come to the Father except that they come through me. And so we who are Christians have a moral obligation to pray for our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And, and There's so much more that we need to talk about. Can you uh, quickly just talk about what a house church is? Absolutely. So 
um, you know, it always sort of cracks me up. People say, well, worship attendance in America is declining. Worship attendance in America is not what it used to be, blah, blah, blah. You know what? The fact of the matter is that if you looked at the, at the New Testament church and measured worship attendance in the New Testament church by how we measure worship attendance today, we would have 0% attendance in the New Testament church. <laughs> because the way we measure worship attendance today is how. We measure worship attendance today by how many people walk into a uniquely designed building with a steeple on top of it. That's how we measure worship attendance, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and there were none of those uniquely designed buildings with steeples on top of them for the first 315 mm-hmm. years. Yeah, right. So, you know, as, as Lutherans, you know, uh, we say that there's seven marks to the Church, that the Church, when the Church will be known, it has, it has the cross, it has the Bible, it has communion, it has baptism, it will call a pastor. Uh, the sixth mark of the Church is that it will pray, and it will have confession and absolution and singing of songs. Those are the seven marks of the Church. And, and the New Testament Church gathered in people's homes over and over and over and over again. We see that the, the Church was the Church in people's homes. And, and so what we're doing with house churches, we are planting these worshiping communities in primarily in people's homes, but they can also meet. They meet sometimes, they meet in delis, or they meet in businesses, or wherever. Uh, and that's what we see in the New Testament, where Jesus where Jesus conducted worship and teaching wherever he was. Um, we use men and women. We train men and women to be house church planters. Uh, we have that training available on our website, housechurchplanter.com. And uh, we train men and women to be house church planters, working under the supervision of their regularly called and ordained pastor. And then what the house church planters do is they help gather people together for worship. And, and we're seeing baptisms happen in the house churches with these pastors. Uh, we're seeing outreach. One of our house churches that was just... We've got uh, just a short time left. So yeah. one, one of the things that made house churches very effective is because your non-Christian acquaintance will come to your home mm-hmm. much, much more easier Absolutely. than they will to a traditional-looking building. Absolutely. I'll just say that quickly. Yeah. We're very good. We've got about 60 seconds left, so I just didn't want you to get into a story that was going to take more than that, but you can just uh, uh, any other quick thoughts for our listeners as we close the program. Prayer is not a program. Prayer is not a spiritual gift. Prayer is not on any of the spiritual gift lists in the New Testament. Prayer is something that all Christians do. You can pray as good as any other person. And your prayer, if you are a believer in Christ, your prayer is heard by God, and you can be a blessing to people through prayer and through practical mercy ministry to them. All right. Thank you so much. My guest has been Reverend James Buckman. He's a missionary in the New Jersey district. And uh, we've been talking about his book, I Pray, and what they're doing there to share Christ in the community using prayer. We hope that uh, you will continue to learn about Family Shield Ministries. Learn more on our website, familyshieldministries.com. And uh, remember that Jesus suffered and died for you. And uh, this again is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week. God bless your day. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com. 
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.